Joining the military is a pretty good deal. Here are all the ways in which it is a good deal. Number one, you get free health care. It's not the best quality health care, but it is free. There's something to be said for that. Free health care. Their insurance plan is called TRICARE. Go to any hospital in the country. They take TRICARE. So, Number two, job security. It's tough to get fired from the military. If you're enlisted, you if you want to keep re-enlisting, you can have your job. If you're an officer, don't get passed over for promotion. You can have your job. Don't get in trouble. Don't get court-martialed. Don't get a big chicken dinner. Don't get a dishonorable discharge. It's But it's lots of job security. You're working for the government. Number three, free housing. You can live on base or you cannot live on base. If you don't live on base, you get an allowance for housing. Here's why that's important. That allowance for housing is based on market rates for the geographic area. So if you live in Oklahoma, you get a little bit of money. And if you live in San Francisco, you get a lot of money. But here's the key part. That housing allowance is not taxable. It's not taxable. So you could have a situation where you could have an enlisted guy that's making sixty, seventy thousand a year and getting fifty thousand for housing, and the housing piece is not taxable. That's powerful. That's incredibly powerful. A lot of people, you know, people talk about military pay, about how the military is sort of underpaid relative to what they contribute and stuff like that, which is, you know, you can make arguments about that. But this a lot of people don't look at the housing piece and the housing allowance and the fact that it's not taxable. That's really, really powerful. So you also get an allowance for food. It's called BAS, basic allowance for subsistence. It's not much. Uh, there's other ways to make money as well. You know, one way I got paid more was through hazard pay. And I was getting hazard pay by working on a flight deck on a ship, which I guess was dangerous. I, I don't think there's, I don't think anybody's gotten seriously hurt working on a flight deck and a Coast Guard cutter in a long time, but you're standing there and there's a helicopter and the blades are coming right over your head. So it's a little bit scary. So you get hazard pay for that. So all in all, it's a pretty good deal. And here's the key part. You get to retire at 20 years and keep a large percentage of your take-home pay. Think of that, you could retire at age 38, 38, you could retire at 38 and have a steady paycheck and go on to work in a whole new career. That also is powerful. Seriously, that's insane. And if you go to, if, if you become an officer, you go to the academy or go to OCS, you retire at 42, it's 42 is young. It's incredibly young, you know? So I was in the military, and I, I decided all this stuff, I gave it all up. I said, I, I, I quit. I'm going to go to work on Wall Street, and I took a big risk. And the value of all those benefits is absolutely massive, and I gave it up. And I forgot to mention, I got a free education. After I served my five years, I got a free education out of it. So in behavioral finance research, they play this game. So let me tell you the game. Okay, I say, okay, I can give you $3,000 right now, or you have a 50-50 chance of getting $10,000, or you get nothing. 
So you get $3,000 right now, or you have a 50-50 chance of getting $10,000. What are you supposed to do? Well, the expected value of the bet is $5,000. So just math says you should go for the 50-50 bet. Try to win $10,000. But you could end up with zero. And if you just decided not to play the game and take $3,000, then you have $3,000. So most people are going to take the $3,000. The $3,000 is what's called the certainty equivalent. This is all called decision theory, okay? So for me, a career in the military was the certainty equivalent. I decided to take the risky bet, and it paid off. There was another one of these things going around on Twitter, and it said, you can have a million dollars right now, or you can have a 50-50 chance of winning 50 million or zero. I would say that 99% of people would just take the million. Absolutely. And you know what the crazy thing is? That is what I would do. At this particular moment in time, I would, I would take the million dollars. Why? Because I'm building a house and I need the cash. And yeah, that's why. You know what I mean? If you asked me this like last year before I started building the house, I'd probably say, well, you know, a million really doesn't do anything for me. I want to... I'll go for the I'll go for the 50 million. So <laughs> I would say 99% of people would take the million bucks. So too bad you can't play these games in real life. But I did. Okay. Let me let me go let me go down this road a little bit further. Let's say you were a fourth grade teacher, but you have an idea for a business. Now you get a steady steady paycheck for being a teacher. You get health benefits. You might you might make you might make more money starting a business, but you also might make zero. The business might fail, and you could lose your savings. Okay, so it's not a surprise that most people take the certainty equivalent. Most people say, "I just want to stay a fourth grade teacher," because it's the sure thing. You know, you would have to be a crazy gambler to start a business, but that's what most business people are—crazy gamblers. It's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. Think about this. When I was at Lehman, I was making $850,000 a year. That was my certainty equivalent. I gave that up to start a business with the potential of making a lot more, but it could have failed. $850,000 was my certainty equivalent. All I had to do was stay put, just sit in the seat, trade ETFs, and I keep making eight hundred. dollars I probably would have made more. And for sure, I would have made more, but that was a certainty equivalent. And I decided to take a risk. I was a crazy fucking gambler, okay? And I took a risk, and I left... I did not take the certainty equivalent. Jeff Bezos did the same thing. He was working at D. Shaw. He was probably making half a million bucks a year. He says, I got this idea for a business, this Amazon thing. I'm going to sell stuff over the internet. I'm going to sell books and CDs. And uh, I think he got some advice. And I think people said, yeah, you should try it. You should try it out. But he gave up half a million dollars a year. He could have stayed in that job. And he would have made more money over time. But now he's the second richest guy in the world. You know, that worked out pretty well. I don't want to say that you should never take the certainty equivalent because in some cases it absolutely makes sense. But let me tell you, life is not very fulfilling if you always take the certainty equivalent. I can't speak for teachers, but I can tell you that there's a lot of people in the military that are unhappy. Got to put up with a lot of bullshit. There's a lot of bullshit in the military. 20 years is a long time to put up with a lot of bullshit in the best years of your life. And when they retire, what do these people do? I've, I've, seen, I've seen my classmates retire. 
They grow a big-ass beard, like this big ZZ Top beard. They get a camper. They drive around to campgrounds, and they collect their $25,000 check. <laughs> I mean, yeah. That's, what, that's I mean, that is not my jam. It's not. I want to live life to the fullest. I want to take I want to take risks, big risks. Same thing with the house. People say to me, "Why do this? Why would you do this? Why would you turn your life upside down to build the Dill Mahal?" And I'm like, "Because that is what I do. Every 7 years or so, I need to turn my life upside down just for a little excitement, but it always pays off in the end. And I'm going to have the coolest house in the world. If if your life is boring, why not shake it up a bit? Why not take a risk? Some people don't like taking risks. The government is full of people who don't like taking risks. Academia is full of people who don't like taking risks. Not to generalize about the sexes, but a lot of women don't like taking risks. Men are risk takers. They're better risk. I don't want to say better risk takers, but they're more risk takers. They're not necessarily better risk takers. <laughs> it's absolutely true. So... But the key is to take the right risks at the right time. You know, like my land, the land that I bought, okay, that paid off huge. I will bet it all on myself. And every time I've done that, which has been three or four times in my life, I have won. So don't take stupid risks at the wrong time. By the way, you shouldn't take big risks in the stock market because you don't know what you're doing. You don't know anything. Leave that to the experts. The experts also suck at it, okay? And I am not one of the experts. I suck at the stock market. I mean, I'm bet I'm probably better than 90% of people, but being not better than 90% of people is not good enough. It's not. So take risks where you know you have an edge. And in betting on yourself, you always do. Thanks for listening to the Be Smart Podcast. I'm Jared Dillian. See you next time.